to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Psalm 46, start off in verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. There's a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged and the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Father, we thank you so much for the scripture this morning. I just pray that you would just give me the words to speak, um, that they would be yours, that they would be true, and they would be honoring unto you. Yes, it's in your name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and find a seat if you need one. This verse started off um, actually just in, in verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. You guys know a couple weeks ago, um, Joshua and I, the seventh grade class over at Calvary Chapel, Sarasota, we went on to a glorious trip up to North Carolina. Okay. And, and it's, it's God's country. There's mountains, probably same thing in Nashville and Tennessee. There's mountains and it's just beautiful. And for some reason, when you're in mountains and you see these big trees and all, you just feel somewhat like you're just closer to God. And maybe those same people feel the same way when they come to Sarasota and they walk out to the beach and they rub their toes in the sand and they're like, I just feel closer to God. I can hear the waves. And But for us, it's the other way around that we're up in North Carolina and it's just absolutely beautiful. And so this is the place that we stayed at here and it's the outdoor mission camp is what they call it. And as you can see, it's up on, they've got a basement down below. The main level is there. The top levels where all the sleeping arrangements are at. And those are just some of the mountains in the background. And we were blessed. It snowed actually the first two days that we were up there. And so most of the kids hadn't, some of the kids hadn't seen snow before. And um, so that was just an awesome time. And so go ahead and show the next picture. And so inside, in, inside the main level there, on the, one of the beams it says, Be still and know that I am God. And so the first day that I got there, that's, the, that's just the thing that I had saw. It said, Be still and know that I am God. And every time I sat in the chair facing the door, you just look up and that verse is there. And so the entire week, you know, Don talks about, you know, meditating on a verse. It's kind of like a chow when it, a cow when it chews it up, a chow, we're going to mix the words together. A cow when it chews it up, it kind of just swallows it and it kind of just burps it back up and it just kind of keeps chewing on it. it kind of sounds disgusting, but it's kind of cool when you're talking about a verse because that's just what you're doing. You're just, you're just thinking about that verse the entire week. Be still and know that I'm God. And it was interesting, not, not the, the be still wasn't there because you're with a bunch of seventh graders. So it's not really be still when you have a bunch of seventh graders around you. But it was know that I am God. 
And the entire week as I continued to sit there and look at that verse, the question to me is, well, who is God to me? That was the question that the Lord was just impressing upon my heart. Who is God? Who is God to me? Who is God right now in my life? It's an interesting question if you look at it and you're saying, my pastor's having a question of who God is. No, it wasn't if there's a God. I wasn't questioning that. The question that I had is, who is God to me right now? Not your typical Mother's Day sermon. But I think it's applicable for us to be thinking about this in the light of the day that we're in, the society that we live in, the struggles that many of us are going through is that, who is God to you? I think ultimately that gets down to it. Whenever struggles that we're going through and, and problems that we're going to is that we're either going to sit there and rest within the Lord or we're going to struggle and we're going to fight within our own flesh. And so as I continue to look at this verse, I, you're just focusing on the verse. You don't have any other the context with it. And so you go back to read the entire chapter or the, this whole psalm and you start realizing there's a lot more to this than just that one verse. You know, as we start off here, and it says in verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present in our trouble and help. I'm sorry, in help and trouble. And this is kind of the statement that's going to, to categorize the entire psalm that he's talking about here. The entire thing, even as we get down to verse 10, it's going to go back to this one verse that it says, God is our refuge and strength. And Christian, I'd say to you today, is that who you think God is? Is God your refuge? Is He the shelter from the rain that's about to happen today or the storm or from danger? Do you look at God as that, as that refuge that no matter what happens within my life that I can, I can just cry out and I can pour into God and that He will just provide that shelter that I need? And that He will watch over me and He will protect me. I was joking with my daughter before some boys, <laughs> boys, they were probably younger men, but walked up and kind of noticed that Ashton was inside and I kind of noticed that they had noticed that my daughter was inside and so I did the dad thing, kind of walked over and just kind of hugged on her and, you know, I was getting ready to poke my chest out and like a little peacock and be like, you know, I'm Ashton's refuge right now. I'm going to tell you right now, you you can better put those eyes back in your head, you know. I'm going to get non-pastor on you here and, you know, lay hands on you, you know. You need to watch what you're looking at, you know right she is now red but she wasn't red before she was happy she was smiling she was thank you daddy you know but but do we look at the same way with god that we provide that refuge it also says here that he is our strength that god is our firmness he's a firm secure fortified tower this also doesn't just talk about that you know what it's greater than that god is majesty and he is splendor and he is glory and so as we look at that, is, is this strength is just a, it's a majestic tower that is just strong and he's just full of glory. You know, the Bible talks about it, that he is an unapproachable light. That has how great our, our God is. Sometimes we, we used to drive, when I drove the kids to school in the morning, we would have to head east in the morning time. And there's just that time in the morning where you cannot see anything unfruitful if you're heading east, okay? Because that sun is right there and the sun visor goes here and it's over. I mean, you just can't see anything. And I would always talk about the kids. I'm like, you know, there's a, there's a Bible verse in Timothy that talks about God is this unapproachable light. It is just so bright. 
He is so pure and he's so holy that here's this God that is so full of glory and so full of majesty that that is the strength and the tower and the protection that we have. So as the psalmist is sitting here and he's writing, he says, God is our refuge and our strength. He's a very present help in trouble. A very present help here. And, and it's kind of interesting. I, I used to not like the psalms because I'm not a very wordy, you know, kind of poetry kind of person. But as I continue to get into them, they're really pretty awesome because here it's it's a very present help. And it's just talking about that he he's, he's never not there. He's always present. He's always there. Sometimes we feel like we're walking in life and you're like, kind of where is God at in this? You know, I'm kind of struggling over here. I'm kind of crying out. And he's not really there. Oh, God is there because it says it right here. He's present. He's ever present. God cannot ever not be there with you. As I'm seeking the Lord and He's providing this shelter and His protection, He is always there. He is ever present within whatever midst of the trouble that I'm going through. That's His promise. That's who God is. You guys have heard this before. I've used it before. But there's this interesting thing of, you know, it's all these different names and these characteristics of who God is. And I've read this before, and I'm sorry it's been a couple years, but I love this. And this gives you the names and, and the characteristics of God is, our God is, our God is love. Our God is spirit. Our God is the Holy One. He's the creator of the world. He's infinite. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's ever-present. God is unchangeable. He's the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. He is our maker, our heavenly Father. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's our wonderful counselor. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the truth. He's the ruler of kings of the earth. He's our Lord and our God, our life, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Teacher, our Healer, our Deliverer, our Resurrection, our Justification, our Strength, our Righteousness, our Peace. He's our Advocate, our Faithful High Priest, our Hope and Glory. He's rich in mercy, and He's worthy of all praise. Now, see, if I was in the Dominican right now, everybody would have been screaming and cheering and stuff like that. Okay? Just to let you know. A little Panamanian in the back, she's like, yeah, I was ready to do this, but I couldn't. I had to hold back a little bit, you know? I, I get it. That's fine. So, But the point is that that's who God is. And look at that's. I didn't read them all. You can just see the highlighted on. There's so many more of who God is. And so as we look at those and we meditate on those verses and those names, that's the very present help that God provides for us. God is faithful. God will never leave you or forsake you. And so God looks at you in your life and he's like, I love you. I cherish you. I am, you, you are the apple of my eye. You're like, well, God, I, I don't feel like I'm the apple of your eye. He says, I don't care about how you feel. I'm making a statement right now. You are the apple of my eye. I care for you. There's times in my, my life when my kids come up to me and, and they've done stuff and you guys, many of you have been parents and you understand this. And, and sometimes they're like, oh, daddy, I'm so sorry I did this, you know, and it doesn't matter what they did. They're still my kid. I still love them. I still care for them. I still want to help them, you know. I mean, I'd be really happy with them at that moment for what they did, but ultimately I, I, I love them. I can't walk away from my kids. And God looks at us the same way and says, the psalmist here says, God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in trouble. And he says, therefore, and you guys know, you, we've talked about this many times, what's there, therefore? The therefore is going back to just verse 1. It's just a reminder before the psalmist moves into verse 2 that you have to remember that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. 
Again, that is the statement for the whole psalm. Therefore, we will not fear. We won't fear. Why? Because God is our strength and our refuge, and He is present in our trouble. That's why I'm not going to fear. Hey, listen, even though, and there's four of those here, even though the earth has been removed, and though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, and though its waters roar and be troubled, and though the mountains shake with its swelling, even though all the earth is just going absolutely crazy, even though the entire planet is just falling apart, even though everything that you can possibly imagine, Hawaii right now, they don't know what's going on with this volcano. It just continues to get worse. They're saying, look, we don't know when it's going to blow. It's just going to happen. And we just think it's cool because we get to see lava go on top of a car and it burns up the car and you're like, wow, lava is that hot. These people are losing their homes and their lifestyles and their entire earth and their life is being shattered. We look at the tsunami years ago that on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day that went into and just destroyed and killed a 100,000 people. Can you imagine that? We look at Katrina and we look at the hurricane last week, last year with Irma. We look at these things and no matter what, Christian, I know this, that God is our refuge and strength, a very present in our trouble. That no matter what is going on in your life, and I now you have to apply this to your life and Christian, what is the absolute craziness that's happening within your own life? What mountains are, are being tossed into the sea? What earth part of your life is just being absolutely destroyed within it that you look at it and you're like, I, I, I don't know what's happening at this point. My entire life is just, is just falling apart. Oh Lord, where, where are you? God, I'm crying out to you. What's happening? That's what the psalmist is saying here. He says, no matter what is happening within your life, are you going back to God? So what are your those that are in your life? What are those things? You can't say, well, Kevin, I got nothing. You got something. Something right now is burdening you. Something right now is is on the forefront of your heart and the forefront of your mind. And sometimes, I don't know how it is with you guys, when those things are there, it's really hard for me to worship. You know, it's really hard for me. I mean, I can pray, but I can tell you my entire prayer time is going to be on that one particular subject. Okay? That thing is going to be well prayed through. Why? Because that's the only thing that's on my mind and my brain. See, because see, I've got those things too. You want, you want to know what they are? Okay. The, what they are is, is my business. I've been struggling with my business for a while. And so as I continue to come to the Lord and continue to come to the Lord and continue to come to the Lord, those are just personal struggles that are going on in my life. I've got my wife's health. No, she's got not that health, but, but she's got struggles that she's been going through as well that we've been battling with for years now. And I just keep coming to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, she's, she's a faithful woman. But she, she loves you. And, you know, and I understand that, you know, hey, this is a, a cross that we have to burn. We, we will continue to carry it. But Lord, can't, can't we, can we do something here? And then being a guy, you just want to say, Lord, just give it to me. Look, I'll just deal with it, make her fine. And because that's just how guys are. Guys just want to just to take care of the problem and we can move on, okay? And if taking care of the problem means I just take it upon myself, then then that's fine, I'll do that. But God said, it's not your burden. You know, you've got your own health issues. You know, you've got a daughter who's got some stomach issues and I keep continuing to pray through that and I'm not unloading on you guys this morning, okay? I'm just letting you know the things that struggle within my life as well. My parents aren't getting any younger as well. 
So as you continue to come up on, on certain events like this, on Mother's Day and, and a Thanksgiving and a Christmas, you start things start running around in your mind. My kids aren't getting any younger. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. Ashen's driving. Y'all should be praying. <laughs> it's just a joke. It's a silly joke. I had to joke, otherwise I'd have started crying. That's why. Sorry, Ashley. She's a good driver. I taught her. I taught her how to drive. She knows how to drive. You see, the world is being apart, torn apart here. And, and sometimes when it's your own world, you feel like that's the only thing that matters at the time. And then as you start wading through and you start looking through all the different stuff, you, you kind of lose and feel like, God, God, are you there? Am I the only one? You kind of just look at it and you're just wondering and you're just, you're just grasping for air and sometimes you just feel like you're underwater and then maybe sometimes you're just like, you know what, I'm just, just tired of it. I, I just don't know if I want to continue this. But verse 2 says, but we will not fear. Why? Because God is our refuge and God is our strength and He is ever present within our trouble. That's who God has promised to be. And then it gets back to the fact that as I, can't, I can't do this on my own. I can't continue to look at my problems and go, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hunker down and I'm just gonna man up and I'm just gonna, oh no, you're missing the point. Because see, the verse here doesn't say, Kevin is your, his refuge and his strength and Kevin is ever present with it. No, it doesn't say that. It says God is our refuge. And so then as, then as you move in towards your life and you move towards your problem, you have to then turn it over and say, Lord, I, I lay it here at your lap. Now, I'm, I'm responsible for as much that I can possibly do on my side and my work and my responsibility. But God ultimately comes back to you. And, and Lord, I'm laying at your feet and, and here it is. Why? Because I know that you're the one who can take care of this. Verse 4 says, And there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle, the Most High. And God is in the midst of her. She shall not be she shall not be moved, and God shall help her just at the break of dawn. And there is a river here, and this river is, is, is it's interesting at the time, it, again, as you look at different things, they use different analogies because of cities at that time, they had to have a water source to be able to have a city. If you didn't have water, you didn't have a city. I was watching a thing on um, King Tut's dad, and um, he was actually on King Tut. We got to King Tut's dad kind of, anyways. So King Tut's dad, he made this city, and he, he moved the capital of Egypt out into the middle of the desert. It makes no sense. There's no water there. There's no way for the city to thrive. And, and, but he just, he felt like he's God. He could do whatever he want. But, so he moved it out there and proved that he wasn't God because no water didn't follow him, you know? So, so he moves it out there and people are like, why would he do something like that? Why? Because you have to have a water source. And so this is very understanding for the people at the time. Nowadays, we don't care where we build. We just build enough pipes under the ground and we bring water to wherever we're at. And so, but at the time, if you didn't have a water source, you didn't have a city. You didn't have anything. And so as they look at this, they would understand the fact that God is this, he's this river and he's this stream. And at this time, it's not talking just about water. What it's talking about is just, it's talking about God's favor within their, in their lives. God's favor. This is the stream that he's providing for them is this favor that he's bringing to his people. He's bringing his favor. He's looking upon them. 
And it's such a contrast if you go back to the verses before where there's just the world is just falling apart and you see the mountains being tossed in the sea and the waters that are rising and you just see absolute chaos. And then, and then here comes the peace of God. And says, so there's a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle, the most high. And God is in the midst of her and she shall not be moved and God shall help her just at the break of day. Just at the break of dawn, just in time. God is just, is just there. Just, you know, it always darkest at the night, just before dawn. And then the dawn comes and here comes God. And his favor just pours upon in the city of, of Israel and on his people. They shall be protected, but we shall be made glad. And this is what he provides for us. And he is in the midst. And Christians, where is, where is God in your life? Are you in the midst of where God is at? See, sometimes too, I think when, when we move forward in life, we look at this and if you're not in the will of God, it's kind of hard for God to be in the midst of what you're doing. You say, well, Kevin, just before you said God is with me. Well, he's, he's with you, but you still have to be doing the will of God. See, I can't be going over here and just sinning all the time and doing whatever and just expect God's favor to come upon me. You know, if I've, if I'm out gambling all my money away and then all of a sudden I don't have my rent, well, God's not with me. Well, no, God's with you. You just gambled all your money last night and you weren't responsible with it. You have to be able to look at it and go, well, what am I doing here? Am I, am I following what, what God wants? Is he in the midst of every decision that I make? Am I making a conscious effort to, to not be perfect? We can't be perfect. We know that, but my desire is to be perfect. My desire is to continually have my, my face in, in his, in his word and to be in prayer and to be in fellowship with others and to be able to walk a, a victorious Christian life in that. Is God in the midst of those things? I, I know that he is. Verse 6 and 7 says, And the nations raged and the kingdoms were moved. And he uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And the nations are raging against God and the kingdoms are being, are being moved. And he utters his voice and just everything is gone. And again, the Lord of hosts is with us and the God of Jacob is our refuge. Verse 8 moves on and says, And come behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations of the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, bow and cuts the spear in two and burns the chariot in fire. And the psalm again, psalmist again looks at these great things that God has done. And, and as reading this, I just immediately imagined you know, North and South Korea. It just North and South Korea that God just, I think, just made it happen that you know, for some of us that are a little bit older, we kind of understand just the, the chaos that's been between those two countries. We actually went to war, and then there was never a, a, a signing of the peace treaty to stop it. They, they were still, they've been at war for 60 years. You know, and you look at that and just, I used to work with a guy, and Jimmy King, and um, he, uh, older guy, a little short guy, was a Marine, you know, a little short guy, and uh, was in Korea. And uh, we actually, we had just got married, and I'm asking, Jimmy, you ever been on a cruise? He goes, Kevin's, I don't get on boats. I go, why? He goes, last time I got on a boat, I ended up in Korea. You know, so I mean, it was just a joke to him and, and just, but that was his life. You know, he looked at it and said, ah, that's not going to happen. But just the, the amazing thing of, of where our country was, where those two countries are at, 
And then all of a sudden, something happens. I think God speaks, and boom, they shake hands. You know how huge of a thing that that was? For them to shake hands and go, you know what? We're going to try to work on peace here. We're going to get rid of this. And ultimately, look, now, ultimately, we know the end of the Bible, it, it talks about that the peace isn't going to happen forever. Okay, so this is a bigger plan of, of end times, and I don't know how it all works out, and you can ask Don next week because he's all into that. But all I know is that things aren't going to get better. They have to get worse. But it's just an amazing thing that God just speaks, and things like this happen. Christian, what amazing things has God done in your life? What amazing things has he done in, his, in your life? I know so many times we want to sit there and just focus on the things that are wrong within our life, but what amazing things has God done in your life? There has to be something. I know that there is. I look around the room and I just see miracles everywhere. I see miracles, the fact that, that you guys are here. I see miracles that you're a Christian. Do you realize that the only reason that we are friends, the only reason that we consider each other family is for one thing. It's for Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we wouldn't know each other. Do you realize that? These people that in this room that we care about, that we love, that we pray for, that when something happens in their life, we hurt as much as that person hurts. The only reason is, is through Jesus Christ. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? I, I look at my life and just where I was and where I am now and where the direction that I'm heading in, and that's a miracle as well. That God could use something like me to be able to do something like this to encourage people to have a stronger relationship with, that's amazing to me. Well, look at you guys. What is your amazing thing? So many times we get so focused on the negatives in our life, but meanwhile, refocus and what, what has God really done though? I have air this morning to breathe. That's, isn't that amazing? Do you know how air works? Do you know why we have air? Do you know why there's enough in this room right now, even though we've got the doors shut, that we can still breathe? I don't know. All I know is I'm breathing and I'm fine with it. I don't know how air conditioning works. Andy knows how air conditioning works. I don't have a clue. All I know is I had hot before. I went and turned the AC down and I'm cold. See, all these things that we just take for granted, do you know how your seat works? Let's go for something easier. We don't know how to make a seat. Most of us in this room right now couldn't make a seat. You guys showed so much faith sitting down in that chair this morning. You have shoes. You have clothes to wear. Most of us drove here. If not all, I don't think you have any walkers here today. See these things that you just take for granted? Most of us ate already. If we haven't eaten, we're going to eat soon. These are just, these are just things that you just take for granted in life. Oh, I've, I gotta put this old piece of clothing on my back. We've got clothing. God continues to provide all these amazing things, but because it's not that one thing, that's the thing that I'm going to focus on. That's the thing that I'm going to be negative on because, God, you didn't do this. Well, God's saying, look, I, look these things I'm doing for you. I provide all of your needs. I've promised to provide your needs for you. You do not want for whatever that I have promised to give you. Why? Because I've done that. It says in Matthew 6, you know, Solomon, in all of his glory, didn't look as wonderful as the lilies on the field. And do you not think that God cares more about you than the flowers in the field? Oh, those flowers are beautiful. But again, remember when I said that you are the apple of his eye. He cares for you. He loves you. And for God to sit there and, and you look at it and go, I'm not sure that he's in this. He's in this. Because he's God. And he's faithful. And he loves you. And he cares for you. And as the world goes crazy, and as we look at the things that are around us, it's so easy to get scared and nervous. 
But again, as we go back to the first first verse, it says what? God is our strength and He is our refuge. He is our fortress. Again, He will not leave you or forsake you. Verse 10, and that's the main verse that we're going to be hitting today. It says, be still and know that I am God. And I know it's the main verse and 35 minutes into it, but be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still here is, is to, to leave off anything. Leave off anything of your own attempts. You see, again, it's not by our works that we will accomplish anything. Any of these victories that we've read here through this psalm is, it hasn't said Kevin's name in here. It hasn't put your name in here. It hasn't said that you needed to get her done. You have to, to fight or struggle a little bit harder to get something done. It says, no, be, be still and know that I am God. God's saying, look, take off your works and take off your ability or the way that you feel like you're going to get salvation or the way that you feel like you're going to get something done or the way that you're going to provide happiness within your life. And he says, be still. Stop it. Notice here, it doesn't also say, be lazy. Okay, be lazy and know that I'm God. He doesn't say that. Again, there's a responsibility on our side to, to do the things that God has called us to do. But I'm telling you this morning is not to rest in the things that you're able to do. Be still. Lay those things off and know that I'm God. To know that I am the one that is providing everything. And so, Bert, if you could put that, that structure back up again, the, the building... So as we went to the outdoor mission camp, this uh, cool building that you're about to see, there it is. Um, this guy's name is Ruffin, pretty awesome name for a guy that lives in the mountains, is Ruffin, and uh, his wife, Jamie, and just a w- absolutely wonderful couple. I think the coolest thing when I go, have gone on a couple of these mission trips is the husband and wife team that have always been involved have just great relationships. You know, you can just see that, and I think that that enables the mission to be as, as much better as well. So outdoor mission camp. And so we went up there, and as you see this building there, this was just his desire, is to build a a, a campsite to be able to bring in um, youth and, and youngsters to be able to, sometimes they were just, they're, you know, they're in the system, and he wants to bring them to a place where they can get outside and do stuff, and then also to be able to use it as to pour into them in Bible studies and to raise up young men and young ladies um, for the Lord. And so his, his desire was to do this. So they go and he buys this property and they, they have a house down on the, down the mountain. And so they go to buy old cigar, um, tobacco houses. You guys know what a tobacco house is? They used to use it as, um, my mom does because she's from Tennessee. And so, um, um, she, they used to have these old tobacco houses. And so, um, back in the 17, 1800s, um, actually slaves would be working in these. And what they would do is tobacco was a huge, um, industrial thing at the time for economy wise for the, the states. Um, and so they would take these and they would harvest the tobacco leaves and then they would hang them in these tobacco houses and they would dry. The leaves would have to dry. Obviously you can't smoke something that's wet. So they would have to dry and all that kind of stuff. And so then that's when they would, so they buy these, they have these huge tobacco houses. And so slaves would sit there and, and, and pick the tobacco and then they would hang them up in these different things. And so as he's telling the story, Ruffin was, he was just talking about, you know, the, the wood that they used in a lot of this house is like 150 years old. I mean, they went and bought old tobacco houses that they found, and so they would take the wood, the good wood out of it, 150-year-old wood, you know, pretty amazing thing. And that's what most of the structure was that they built this house out of, you know. Um, and, and Ruffin, just a, a very, very sensitive guy, and very rugged at the same time. I mean, shorter guy, probably like this, and... 
sixties probably, something like that, and was walking up and down the hills like he like he was walking on flat ground. I mean the rest of us are breathing hard and he's just all over the place. And um but an amazing guy, just a sensitivity to the Lord. And as he's telling the story, he's talking about how he is tearing up at this point too. That you know that here something that man had used in, in such a terrible background, you know, to be used for by slaves and in, in such a, a dishonorable house that it was before, that now the Lord had taken these these pieces of wood and had rededicated it to Him. You know, so these these pieces of wood that had been used in such a terrible time in our, our history are now being used to praise the Lord through changing the lives of kids and changing the lives of youth. And so something that was, was dishonorable is now honorable being used inside there. And right. Bert, if you could put the other one back up. And so then as you look at this plank, and that's probably one of them right there, it's just a beautiful thing to, to think about. And then he went even a step further and said, you know, even on top of that, is these, these trees that were, that were used for this were probably just little saplings back in the early 1700s. So they, they started off as little saplings in the 1700s, grew up, were harvested, used for tobacco house, taken away from the tobacco house, and then now used for this, to be able to use for the Lord. An amazing story. And so as he's told that story, then it kind of then changed it around for me then. You know, be still and know that I am God. And sometimes we don't, we don't really know what God's got planned for our lives, do we? I mean, it's easy when you're young and You've got great dreams and great ideas. Josh is going to be a football player. I don't know if you guys know that or not. Josh is going to play for Alabama, of course, because it's the greatest football team in the country. Then he's going to go play for somebody in the pros, make millions of dollars, drive a Lamborghini, and then come work with me at Trinity Motors. I don't know if you know that. (laughs) And it's great to have dreams like that. All of us, when we were younger, we had dreams as well of things that we were going to do. But, But then life happens, right? There's no plan for life. There's no, there's no way to get on a particular path and to head down that. No particular path for that. Why? Because then, well, then there's other influences that come in our life and change it. You know, we have different friends that maybe give us a different personality and all of a sudden we like to do this instead. I don't want to play football anymore. I'm going to go do this instead. Why? Because it's just, it's what I like at the time. And <laughs> evidently it's never going to happen with him, so. But be still and know that I'm God changes it, does it not? It changes it to the fact that here we've got saplings. You know, and if trees could talk, it would be pretty cool. Because then you take it even further back from that and you take Jesus on the cross. Jesus was hung on wood. And if those little saplings could talk, would they talk about, hey, one day I'm going to be harvested and then I'm going to be used to hang the Savior of the world on it? You know, would that tree just push his chest out a little bit more to know that that's, that's my destiny right there. God's already spoken into me. But see, there was nothing that that tree did, either one of them, to make them into whatever God had called them to do. What they had to do was to be still and know that he is God. And so the same thing for this this morning, and as I continue to grapple with that verse all week long, and as I continue to, to bound it through my head, even when I got back, Still thinking about this verse and thinking about this verse. So who is God to me? Well, 
It's going to sound pretty profound. But he is God. And Kevin, that doesn't make sense. He, he is God. What well, makes perfect sense? I, I don't know how to describe God to you. I mean, I can give you the verses like I just did and the description of characteristics of who God is. And I can tell you all these wonderful things that God has done in my life. And you can get up and say all the wonderful things that God has done in your life. And I can look at the universe and go, how did God speak this into happening? I mean, there are things that are billions of light years away that are traveling away from us. But they haven't been traveling away from us for billions of years because God spoke the universe into happening. So how can I, if I can't even comprehend space, how do I comprehend God? And so then to me, it's just I have to understand that all that I know is God is God. And then I look at Him and I submit to Him. And I submit to the calling that He has for my life. And then I go through struggles that I have to remind myself that that He is God. And there are times where I don't have to understand or I have to have the knowledge of why is not the understanding that he has to give me the full information on what I'm doing. He just has to look at me and go, are you going to be obedient today for me? Because, see, my life is not about me. My life is about God. The, 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 the reflection of my life should be to reflect his image to everybody that's around me. And if everything was always good in my life, well, then people would be like, well, I'm going to be a Christian. Why? Because I just want life to be good. I want to have a good life. I just want to be rich. I want to be famous. And if you follow God, well, he just makes you rich and famous. It doesn't happen. God makes you whatever he needs you to be within his kingdom. And sometimes that means that we go through struggles in life. And we go through health problems. And we go through financial problems. And we go through relationship problems. And we go through relationship and health and I mean we just continue to go through these things in life why because then the reflection upon my life then shines to the other people this is how it happens when you're a Christian I sit there and I submit and ask the Lord to know that he is my strength and he is my refuge I know that anything that happens to me that God will allow through his fingertips to come into my life and he will be the one that gives me the strength and the wisdom and the discernment to be able to do that Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on the w- with wings like eagles. And they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Because see now again, if I, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Again, it's not through myself. It's not through Jonathan doing push-ups or me through running. It's not any of me getting my own strength in life. It says, as I wait upon the Lord, He renews my strength. Funny thing, I was watching this guy, Survivor Man. You ever watched Survivor Man before? Not Bill Bear Gryllis. Okay, not that guy. That guy's like running all over like he's crazy man. But Survivor Man goes out in the, the woods or the Arctic or whatever for seven days by himself, just a video camera. And uh, one time he was like freaking out. You know, he's oh my goodness. He's just, he's like losing it, you know? So he sits down, wait, I got to get my Zen. I got to get my Zen. I got to get my Zen. And I'm like, what, what's he talking about? What's a Zen? You know, I mean, I actually... I. Didn't know what his end was. I had to go look it up. And that's his peaceful place. I had to go, have to go find my peaceful place. And I just started laughing because I'm like, how, how do you find peaceful place in your own self? You know, I, I mean, if anything, I'm going to go more crazy if I'm looking into myself. Okay, this is me. But I'm going to go nuts because I'm already nuts. I'm like, I'm going to add more to that. That's just not going to work out. But for, for this verse, the verse here says, but to wait on the Lord and he shall renew your strength. There's such peace that comes from knowing God. 
And again, it doesn't mean that everything is going to go right in your life. But again, when you spend the time with the Lord and you get into his word and you read a psalm or you read somewhere else and the Lord just gives you that verse today and you're like, wow, I've never seen that verse before. That's amazing. That just absolutely spoke to my heart. And, and now I understand. And then as you pray to the Lord and he just he just comes upon you and gives you that peace. To know that, hey, look, I, I, I'm just telling you no. I'm just asking you to be still right now. I'm just asking you to know that I am God. And that I'm the one that's going to take care of this issue. Be still and know that I'm God. And I will be exalted among the nations. And I will be exalted in the earth. So who is God? God to me is, he's God. One commentary said, know that I am God, the invincible one. Invincible both in myself and in my people, who will be acknowledged in my exaltation by all the world. Our job is to allow him to be exalted throughout our lives. We are his people. My purpose is to glorify God so that all the world can see the glory of God. Amen. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning. And Lord, just give you praise on this day. Lord, you are worthy of our praise. You are truthful, you are honest, you are faithful, you are a blessing. God, I just pray that you would work within the saints in this room, Lord, as we could continue to just go through struggles in our life and hardships in our life. Help us to remind ourselves just to be still and to know that you are God. Lord, allow us to remember that you are our refuge and our strength. That you're going to be glorified through our lives. Lord, we praise you this morning. We thank you for all that you have done for us. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.